how, how'd the how'd the plein air festival shape up for you i really did um we were <clears throat> experimenting a lot with live streaming um and we're also going to be it's not set up yet but we did all the filming for it uh some pay-per-view like on-demand arts education programming Ooh, fancy uh and both of those things seem to be doing really well so it was a big event for mctv this year well i'm unofficially part of the mctv family yes you are i don't have a t-shirt yet though i do have you listed as a show producer in my life mctv show producers list (laughs) do i get like a tote bag or something for that? Uh, as soon as we have anything i'm i'm advocating right now just to get some fucking stickers (laughs) stickers would be cool i want to get those like back to the car like three letter ones except it says mctv that would be the best ever i might know people who can make those so i'll I'll look into that a little bit yeah but no i guess i don't have a whole lot to report i've been uh uh it's i feel like i've been very busy but i don't know if i actually have been like i've been watching a lot of weird movies not as many as i normally do i got to see the new godzilla and that was fucking i saw dope. you were excited about that on the on the social medias we went to the budget theater in milwaukee and they're still showing it it's like i can see the new godzilla for three bucks <laughs> hell yeah because <clears throat> we had went to go see um we, we went to the theater and i had wanted to see um midsummer but it okay. wasn't playing it was only one theater was playing at and then um, I don't remember the other movie. It's there. There was every, it was a Friday night. Every movie was sold out, so I was like, okay, we can either go see, go drive about twenty extra minutes to towards Delafield and go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, or we could go twenty minutes the other direction, go to the budget theater and see Godzilla. <laughs> and I chose. I was like, well, Godzilla's on its way out, and I feel like this is a movie. I need to see on a big screen, so I was like, "I'm gonna go see Godzilla." Nice, <laughs> and it was it was a lot of fun. I awesome. I was riding a Godzilla high for a very long time after that movie. You were riding Ow. a. <laughs> that was the saddest sound. It sounds like Godzuki from the Godzilla cartoon from the hand, the seventies. Uh oh, is there another Godzilla? <laughs> yeah, there there are there... other Godzilla franchises other than the cartoon from the seventies yeah <laughs> damn <laughs> but on another note i hope i can remember any of this movie <laughs> oh my god i well let me start the intro because i do have a fun uh, i think it's kind of funny uh a, a story with this movie and i was okay. kind of hoping you were gonna lead this episode <laughs> okay <laughs> but uh we 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 will get through it together Anyone out there who is a fan of the Dark Crystal, this is not us saying that we didn't necessarily like the Dark Crystal, but we will talk about that in a second. (laughs) Warning! This movie podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements. Endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael Byers, and with me, as always, is a man that looks like a gelfling and smells like a gelfling. Nick Richards! There you go. Oh... This movie was hard to find a quote for, but that wouldn't seem to. Fit. Yeah, I just wasn't sure where the jump-in point was gonna be. Yeah, I guess you, you can't cut it earlier. Could have went you, longer with it. You, I guess you can't see my script, so you can't see where I put the ellipses. <laughs> I fun fact about my script. Hold for I, applause. I, I still write hello and welcome, just in case I forget it. <laughs> Goodbye and get out of here. For oh wait a minute, nope, nope. That's so. Like <laughs> I, I even write your part where it says Nick Richards. <laughs> Do you do a like carriage return center? Nick, no, no, Nick I don't. Rich. I don't go that far into it. I just write your name all in caps. <laughs> Film strip formatting. Yeah, um, but on today's episode, we'll be discussing uh, a polarizing film, yet highly influential film. Jim Henson and Frank Oz's Oz's Frank Oz. Uh, uh, Would it just be Oz? Oz I. I think it's like Tolstoy's act, where it's Frank's Oz. That's, that's, 
Jim Henson's Jim Henson and Frank Oz dark fantasy epic, The Dark Crystal. Thousands of years ago, a magical crystal, the Dark Crystal, is cracked and two new races spawn, the evil Skeksis and the Mystics. The Skeksis destroy all around them and drink the life force of other creatures by using the power of the Dark Crystal to, to replenish themselves. And the Mystics know this and they know this needs to end and the crystal must be repaired. Jen, a young creature called a Gelfling, was raised by the Mystics. His entire race was killed by the evil Skeksis and it's said that only a Gelfling can stop the evil. That's a lot to live up to. So Jen goes on his journey to repair the crystal, meets another Gelfling along the way, and learns the history of his people. Henson and Oz, best known for the wildly popular Muppets, want to do something more ambitious with their puppeteering skills. Inspired by the dark folklore of the grim fairy tales, they want to make something dark and scary for, the, for kids, feeling it was unhealthy for children to never be afraid. They set out to make one of the most technically complex films of its age, with feature, which features no real people, only puppets, animatronics, and elaborate costuming and stages. No one had seen anything like The Dark Crystal before. The Dark Crystal was mildly successful during its original theatrical run. While it's considered one of the most successful puppet films of all time, it struggled to turn a profit. Parents were concerned the film was too dark for children, and it also was released in the shadow of Steven Spielberg's E.T., and while the film was critically mixed, it won quite a few awards and was nominated for AFI's list of top 10 fantasy films of all time. Directed by Jim Henson and Frank Oz from a script by David O'Dell, from a story from Jim Henson, the film stars Stephen Garlick, Lisa Maxwell, Billy Whitlaw, Percy Edwards, and Barry Denon. I'd also be doing the film a great disservice if I didn't mention the beautiful score by Trevor Jones and the amazing design work by Brian Froud. Let's go to the trailer. In a place outside time lies a mystical realm of sound and vision. A wondrous civilization. Where good and evil struggle to possess the dark crystal. sound was um <laughs> that was clearly so, the our, our going to the trailer soundtrack <laughs> so we had discussed doing this movie ages ago yeah so yeah. much so that i have now watched it two and a half times that's how long ago <laughs> we watched it whose shameless was this on this was on mine because it's technically on mine as well oh okay okay because so my interest in history of this movie is growing up, it's a movie I'd always heard about. It was not shown as much as, say, Labyrinth was. Um, so it was a movie I knew quite a bit about. And then the, it had a resurgence in high school for me. Where uh, I went to school with pe- with friends and we'd be talking about movies. and what- I went to school with friends. I swear I did. <laughs> oh, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we'd be talking about movies and everything. And I was always a big fan of Labyrinth. And David Bowie was kind of having a resurgence in that time period as well. Um, and then a couple friends I had were like talking about the Dark Crystal and how frightening the Skeksis were. I don't remember if any of them actually said the movie was good or not, but I do remember <laughs> them talking a lot about it. Um, and I remember visiting my family in Virginia, and I um, and I was walking through a pawn shop, and they're selling the DVD of it. So I picked up a copy, uh, and I had a portable DVD player at the time, and I tried to watch it that night on the portable DVD player, and I fell asleep 15 minutes in, <laughs> and had not gone back to it since cut to about a month ago i started to watch it i had to re-watch the first five minutes with the narration i want to say seven times 
because I was, for whatever reason, really struggling to follow this movie and what was what was being said. For some reason, it was it's it's not a complex film, but it was so high concept that I was just struggling to figure out. Like, so like, wait, the crystal bro- cracked, and these two new races formed, and they're somehow using the crystal to survive, and they don't get along. I was struggling with it, but I eventually powered through it. Uh, and I just, this mo- like, I, I remember getting about an hour in and for being an only an hour and a half movie, this feels, the movie felt very long for me. I will, let, me let me preface. I didn't dislike the film. I'm just <laughs> leading you down my journey. And then I want to say, I, I watched the last 40 minutes of the film, like pretty much when they went to the, to the Skeksis castle and couldn't tell you a single thing that happened. <laughs> and then we were supposed to record and it didn't happen. Uh, and then cut to earlier this week, and I was like, I need to rewatch The Dark Crystal. And part of the reason I think I was struggling to follow along is because the the voice acting was so abrasive, and it was hard to make out what a lot of people were saying that it was very easy for it to tune out. So I, I watched it like a TV show where I broke it up into half-hour increments and watched <laughs> it that way. And I finally made it my way through it, and I will say I think I enjoyed the film for the most part, but I much prefer Labyrinth. Okay. So that that was my very long... And I, I feel like this movie's following me, Nick. Because, uh, uh, like I said, I've watched it two and a half times at this point. And now, uh, the, the, a local theater called the Times Cinema, they do their Friday night freak show where they... They're very inconsistent about what they show. They, may show, they say freak show like it's going to be counterculture or cult or horror films. Um, they're showing... Uh, the dark crystal coming up and i was like i i, I guess i can see it but, but it's like a bit this, of a stretch <laughs> yeah like, this movie's following me it's following me well it is uh you know it, it's having another resurgence now with the is it miniseries or tv show a tv show through netflix it looks like it's a produced. prequel yeah and i do have to say even like dark crystal is not my favorite of the henson fair i respect the shit out of it because it's just ambitious but I'll probably even want... It's called The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. It's a prequel. I'll probably still check it out. Yeah. But uh, what'd you think, Nick? Um, I, I I did not have a dissimilar history with this movie. Um, it doesn't go quite as far back. I hadn't heard about it much when I was growing up. Um, but when netflix streaming first you know i i had netflix back in the send send in back your dvds days um (laughs) and when it first switched over to streaming in a way that i bought into um that was one of the first ones that i added to my list yeah uh and it kind of sat there (laughs) um and then i did finally like pop it on and yeah about 10 minutes in like i zonked out like not because it, you know my i don't think that it was boring or or dull or slow to start or anything but um probably a combination of a lot of information right off the bat yeah coupled they, with they real cuz they cuz they create a brand new world and all uh, these creatures and you don't have any comp <laughs> Here's everything yeah. you need to know. <laughs> and Quick apparently from lesson. what I was reading, it actually takes place on another planet. So there's, there's a sci-fi element to okay. it. Um, but I think the combination of that much information with the, the kind of warm and fuzzy, you know, Henson world. Yeah. Is, <laughs> is a combination that's easy to kind of like lull you into a, a really great nap. <laughs> yeah so uh so it sat there in my queue forever and when we started um talking about this show and our concept for the podcast uh this was one of the first ones that i knew i wanted to do and we never we didn't tackle it in the first season and we didn't get to it in the second season and finally like it made it and um I suspect, based on your initial reaction, that I enjoyed it a little more than you did. Um, it could be. Um, like I guess I want to preface that I didn't dislike right, the film. Yeah, it just—I don't think it left the indelible mark on me that Labyrinth did. And I, and I have my theories behind that. So yeah. we'll, we'll talk a little more about your feelings on it first. I, I think if we're approaching this from a Dark Crystal versus Labyrinth 
um, uh, approach labyrinth got a bit hokey for me at times. That's fair. Um, <clears throat> and, and again, not in a way that I disliked, but uh, I liked how seriously the Dark Crystal took itself. And that's that's a fair that's yeah. a fair criticism, which, which clashes a bit with kind of how I don't. Is there an uncanny valley with puppets? Like, but those Gelflings, <laughs> like they were, un- and the way that they cut between uh, the puppet and then what was like a costumed actor running away. Um, yeah, uh, and it's and like I just kept thinking, like, so they'd go from puppets to full-sized people in costumes and i was like they must have had so many sets they had puppet sets they had mm-hmm. sets for people in costumes they had you know they had miniatures there's like i could just see the money on the screen yeah well and it, it's an interesting experiment because most puppet related media stories are are at least a little silly so that it feels right that it's puppets right yeah. So yeah, the yeah. so <clears throat> this is a really interesting experiment in that it did take itself completely seriously, and it it's not saying like, boy, this story would be really dark and serious if it weren't for the puppets. It 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 just said, all right, we're going to be a serious dark fantasy movie, and and I I got into it. Yeah. I think I've learned about myself over the years is do, did you listen to um, my 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 uh, I had a vinegar syndrome review episode a couple weeks ago where I was reviewing a movie called The Uninvited about a cat on a boat <laughs> a killer cat on a boat nice <laughs> and I, I, I I've learned about myself that I don't super get into bottle films movies that are all set in one place and I don't really get okay. I don't super get into movies set on boats. I've also been learning about myself. While I like fantasy, it's not my go-to genre. There's fantasy films I like, and when they they hit me in the right way, they're fabulous. But fantasy is not like it's like if I have the choice between. Uh shit! I should have had a uh, an example. If I had the choice between Conan the Barbarian. Versus a movie that's not Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> I'm probably going to go towards a movie that's not Conan the Barbarian. Not because I necessarily dislike Conan the Barbarian. It's just not my go-to genre. Just like on a on a, on a slow Sunday morning, I'm not like, let's put on Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I like those movies. I enjoy those movies. And I think... So I think two things had, had were going against me on this one. Pardon me. Um... Fantasy is not my go-to genre. Is well, like I said, while I like it, and when it's done well and it it works with me, I I, I love it. Um, but it's not my go-to genre, and I just had a hard time connecting to any of the characters. And I don't know if it's because they're puppets. I don't think that's the case because yeah. I've connected to the Muppets in the past. Right. Um, I just don't think Jen and the other Gelfling. I can't remember her. Kira. Yeah, that sounds right. I just I had no connection to them whatsoever. Whereas with Labyrinth, as hokey as it could get, I was completely uh, Sarah's involvement in the film worked for me, which also might tie into I think fantasy works better for me when it's kind of got the Narnia effect of people in this strange world, so things need to kind of be explained to us a little bit, or the Harry Potter effect where you know. Well, we need to teach you, Harry, about this world a little bit, or it's you're kind of viewing it from an outsider's perspective. I seem to like that type of fantasy most. Yeah, no, I I actually feel really as much as I love fantasy, like movies is not the way that I prefer to consume my fantasy, uh, you know, yeah. fandom. I th- I think fantasy movies work best when they're, as I was saying, the the outsider looking in type perspective. Oh. Where movies like Conan the Barbarian or You're the Hunter from the Future work <laughs> for one way for one reason or another, but I think the the risk you run sometimes with high concept fantasy in movie form is it can just be too abrasive and too much. Um, but that's it, just me. It, no, I th- I think you're really onto something. Um, I remember having a conversation with some other. Uh, movie nerd slash filmmakers um on the set of an indie film that i was doing behind the scenes for name drop um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I i guess that's more humble brag 
<laughs> I'm a really big deal. I'm not. I'm really not. <laughs> um, we were talking about the original Star Wars trilogy, four, five, and six, yes. versus the prequels. At the yes. this was before the the more recent uh, ones came out. The um, prequels. Yeah. Postquels, <laughs> um, and kind of the consensus around the table was that the the reason why we felt that the prequels really did not live up was because the first trilogy was about a small group of people, right? We were following the stories of some very specific people uh, on their hero's journey you know whatever yeah that is yeah where the prequels were like let's world build rather than let's have this giant world that these characters are existing in and playing off of it was trying to like look at how giant this universe is and it was more about the politics and you can have politics but it has to be about the the people it has to yeah. be about your the your characters um and i can totally see that happening with the labyrinth versus dark crystal thing labyrinth was about the the very few characters uh where dark crystal was hey let's let's bring you into this world and these migrating tribes of species and how the two species fit you know it it was more world buildy and and high concept in that sense dark crystal is like you said very world buildy it's it's very plot driven yeah um where um but not in the way where the plot's getting in the way of the story it's just very plot focused um and there's it's not really even character focused which i think might be my um some a little bit of my aversion to it that's not normally a thing that gets me but it, it but it happen. did in this case yeah yeah Dark Crystal is very plot-focused yeah. and very story-focused, whereas for me, and the reason I think Labyrinth worked so much better for me, was that Labyrinth is far more character emotion-focused, where um, you know you have the arc of Sarah, who's you know going from being a bratty young teen to trying yeah. to save her brother, but then you also have this emotional aspect. It's like you don't like your family, you don't like him. Why are you doing this? Whereas like Jen and Kira were just there they had their journey they had their thing but it's not like say frodo and sam and lord of the rings where you feel for these characters yeah. you get to know them and i just think that's like i had nothing to grasp onto other than these amazing visuals and puppeteering sure and yeah those the the delphines like what did internally what did they overcome anything yeah they they yeah. overcame all these external forces <clears throat> But how did they evolve? Exactly. Having gone through this, that that is kind of missed. And if, you know, going back to Labyrinth, like, what do we really know about the Labyrinth? What do we, we really know about the Goblin King's backstory and why he is in this? Like, we don't. You don't need to know any of that stuff. Yeah. It didn't take away from our enjoyment of, of the main character's story to not know all of that background stuff. And some people really enjoy world building and that's fine and dandy, but that doesn't mean that you should abandon the, the other important things to that character storytelling. I completely agree. Um, so I feel like, I, I feel like in the long run you, you, there was, you, you did like the film a little bit more than me, but like I said, I want to stress that I didn't dislike the film. It just, I guess I can't, I went in with a certain perspective of what I thought it was going to be based on, um, it's cult status. You know, like you can't see a movie or TV show set in the eighties without seeing a dark crystal poster on some kid's wall. <laughs> and I'm sure seeing this movie at the time in the theater, it was kind of like a mind blowing thing. And I feel like also this is a movie that would affect me more in the theater because whether we realize it or not, the theater is it's hard not to pay attention. It's very right. rare that I've seen a movie that's bored me in the theaters. So I feel like in that right setting this would have been perfect as opposed to you know on my couch with my dogs walking around and uh <laughs> you know garbage men outside making a lot of noise it's, yeah. it's, it's 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 
it's a film that demands your attention because because it's such a simple story. It's it's a high concept film, but it's a very simple story of good versus evil, and this you know this young Gelfling who has to go on his journey. It's a, once again the hero's journey of him having to go yeah. repair this crystal. Um, I personally felt like if I was writing this, I would have given a little bit more time between Jen and Kira. You know, just to get to know these characters a little bit better. You know, they did their was it brain fasting or something? I don't remember what they called it. <laughs> their their Vulcan mind meld. Yeah. Oh, here, I'll help you out. The first thing I remember is fire. It's a war, I think. A tree. My mother puts me right inside, and we're. Mother! Mother of the monster! First thing I remember is the kind one. He picks me up and he's big. He makes the monsters disappear and I be safe. And I am safe. What? What's happening? We're dream fasting, sharing our memories. <laughs> I'm having a bath. <laughs> when I was little, I used to get fed by my Think new mom. Again. She called me Kira. And then bigger. And oh, and Master, you showed me the whole valley stretching out. I thought it went on forever. Kira, watch out! The Gartham! They capture the podlings. My master is family Sometimes and teacher and friend. And I can nearly I can forget the free thing that happened. And talk with flowers and all me. the living things. And he shows me numbers and, and things called them. words. And everywhere I go, I learn the shapes of kindness. I learn from them all, except there's no one here like me. I need to find and yes, one other. I love them all. Except I need to find Wait. I want. It's going, it's away. going away. Yeah, <laughs> where they we, we got to see a little bit of their past and everything, and then when they went to the Gelfling um, uh, ruins, we got to see quite we got to see a little bit of what happened to them. Like we know that the Skeksis are evil because the opening narration tells us they're malevolent. <laughs> um, and I, that's another thing too. I would have liked to have seen the Chamberling, like um, maybe even because like he seemed very fucking desperate. You know, please yeah. come back to the castle, please, 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 please. <laughs> he just—it's a me, Mario. Um, and it's like I would have liked a moment of kind of like I'm gonna keep comparing this to Labyrinth, kind of like it's—it's it's so hard not to. Kind of like uh, how Hoggle, the her little no, her little gross friend, uh, yeah. how he had these moments of you don't know if he's helping her or not helping her. I would have liked to see right. a little bit out of the Skeksis, but it very much seemed like okay, they know not to trust him. They're gonna keep going on their journey. It, I, I guess, I just would have liked to seen a couple more layers to some of these characters. But yeah, um, this is a piece of the dark crystal. Then that's what my master meant. Yes, I have to put it. You have it... to heal the the dark crystal. Prophecy, Jen, stay, stay, no, stay, stay, and friend. <laughs> Stay, M friend. Prophecy. Prophecy caused all this trouble. That prophecy? Yes. That's why Skeksis killed Gelfling? Yes, yes. Bad mistake. Skeksis afraid. Fear Gelfling. But you're Skeksis. But I am friend. Save you from Gartham. Why? Don't listen to him. It's a trick. No, please. Must listen. I'm outcast. If I make peace, I'm outcast no more. Will you stop the Gotham attacks? Yes, please. Come to the castle. Please, show them you want peace. Show them Gelfling will not harm us. Please, please, please. Jen! No! Come, please, please. Yes, please. Yes. No! Come on, Kira. No! Wait! Wait! Please? Please? Wait! Please make peace! But, you know, and like, it is such a deep world, and I feel like a TV, the TV show they're about to be doing might even fix some of my issues with it, because then they have more time to really expound upon these, this world, these creatures, and it's not just taking it for face value. Sure, and and decades of absorbing that initial material and saying what really needs which, what gaps need to be filled yeah, in exactly. So I think we've kind of talked about our our feelings on the story. 
Um, I don't have, uh, because of my weird way watching this, I don't have notes on any specific scenes. <laughs> so I figured, um, I just not the way I like to do the episode, but I, I, I have the, the synopsis in front of me from Wikipedia. So I figured we would okay. talk, I would try to pick out things to talk about. So let's talk a little bit about the mystics. Okay. What are, you, what, what are your general thoughts on the mystic? I, I, they, they were fascinating to me because they're kind of like these weirdly cute creatures who are just like very toting and dope, da, dope, da, dope. Uh, and like they use the the old magic they said, and like I just loved our opening scene of them. We just get to see them making these really elaborate uh, paintings <laughs> with sand. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and Jen is <laughs> they're casting. Yeah, rituals. Jen's been kind of indoctrinated into their into their world. But I love how quickly they're like, yeah, get the fuck out of here, Jen. Just you know, <laughs> you have to do this. We can't go do this. <laughs> maybe maybe there was no like prophecy or thing to overcome. They were just like, man, that Delphine is really getting on my nerves. <laughs> we need to send him on a a vision quest yeah that's it to how, you need to go say i love how vague it was too it's like we'll follow the sun until you've come to her to what what was the the woman's weird name uh uh oh yeah agra the... agra it's like just follow the sun until you find agra and even he comments on that he's like he's like what kind of directions are these <laughs> <laughs> that's the worst <laughs> Uh, that was in the database system, yeah, right? Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> I, I also had totally. I was getting definite Yoda vibes. From I was that also getting sequence. like Legend of Zelda vibes from it too. It's like because mm. most of the Legend of Zelda um, games start off very much like Link doesn't Link doesn't necessarily have a backstory. You know, he's just some kid who gets thrusted into this adventure for whatever reason. It's something. It's something. Sometimes as little as there's a storm. Let me go investigate this too. Yeah, you know, it's usually amnesia related, or, or even like a, a a family member being like, "You must go do this, Link." So like, I got some Legend of Zelda vibes from that, especially too, because like the first time we meet Jen, he's just sitting there in the nude playing his flute. <laughs> His ocarina, yeah. and I love too. The first time we, as like when I rewatched it the most recent time, and I was like, "Is Jed just sitting there in the fucking nude, just playing his weird flute thing?" Yep, he is. <laughs> and and the way you worded that made it, <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> really suggestive. Boy, they really did go adult with this one. I'm just taking a bath. <laughs> so are you sure this wasn't a vinegar syndrome? May, you know maybe uh they are releasing the ro- the rowdy roddy piper movie hell comes to Frogtown, <laughs> and there are I some frog no creatures in this that we can make that you can make that work crossover yeah. <laughs> so we get to meet jen um and we get a little bit of the mystics who are just like these toting old things that just wail they just wail all the time which I found really funny, and they send Jen off to, and I imagine Jen's the only thing really protecting them. That's the feeling I got. It's like you get rid of Jen, what are you guys gonna do? And they just kind of yeah. go on their quest. Well, there's this like there, there's clearly this good and evil duality, right? Well, I, like, yeah, it's very the, obvious the by the end. They're they they laid that layer on real thick at the end, and it was kind of like. You could see it coming, like, there's only, I forget how many, like, what, ten uh, mystics, and oh, there's also, totally coincidentally, exactly ten sketches left in the world. I, I don't know if it was eight or twelve or what, but there were the exact yep, same and then amount, once the Skeksis like, emperor died, that's when Jen's yes, pseudo-father yep. also died. Vanished at the same yep, time. and then, like, when the Skeksis took in- injury on his hand, so did one of the mystics. I'm like, oh, okay, I see what you guys are doing here. <laughs> um, I I really liked that. Even even with it being a little heavy-handed, I think it worked in this context. I agree. Um, but would have liked them to have played with the theme a bit more. Um, okay, so, so they're good and evil... Split, you know the the good and evil side of the same creature split into two different creatures but that was just kind of it we like we're like yep okay they're evil because we said they are and they're kind of gross looking yeah okay the mystics are good because they're i guess kind of nice like there was i didn't feel like there were any real stakes in the world 
and this is weird because I prefaced it with how much I really enjoyed this film, and then all I've done is criticize. Well, sometimes we, we uh, it happens, but we I feel yeah. like we try not to be too negative. Like we'll 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 criticize, but because really what what worked best for me was the general look of it, and that's really yeah. something that's hard to like. You we can we can uh, uh, it's hard to talk about. Well, well, let's dive into that okay. a little bit. Uh, one of the things that I noticed right off the bat that had me captivated through the entire thing was how much effort, how much work went into the puppeteering of like background elements. Yeah, like that's one thing of the plants, or they they do a pan shot across some landscape, and there'd be a couple of little puppet creatures that would just hop off. Like there was movement in the atmosphere throughout the entire the film. entire film felt alive which i appreciate and it's yeah. not like you said it's not even the principal creatures or things that the actors are or the, the the puppets are coming in contact with i just i noticed um when the weird bug creatures the garthams were were like going through the hallways there was like whether it be something that puppeteers rolled across the floor or an actual animal, there was like creatures running, scurrying around. And I was like, oh, that just adds new elements to it where it didn't feel like these were necessarily sets, which I appreciate because right. everything felt alive and felt real. And, um, and I was just fascinated just watching how some of these things moved. Is it trying to figure out like, oh, is this in reverse or do they have multiple people within these yeah. suits? Because like those, uh, for lack of a better word, what, what land striders or whatever yeah. that they ended up riding across the desert with their long, like stilt legs, um, and and you know the the filmmakers and us, I'm sure it was similar for you. You're like, okay, so that appears to be somebody inside of it. Are they just like walking on four stilts? Yeah, and, I was trying to man, figure the that costuming out. to hide that and make it feel like uh, it was really cool, but. Then when I'm able to step back from that and get out of the how, you know, how was that done, you're able to absorb this, like, great visual they created of them, these little delflings on these uh, large, strange, imaginative creatures. Um, that was really Yeah, cool. and I will say it's like the, the design on the Skeksis is superb. Like, apparently, yeah. from what I read, Jim Henson got the idea for the Skeksis from a Lewis Carroll poem. Uh, and he saw crocodiles in elaborate robes. And he just really thought that was a kind of a, an interesting visual. Um, okay. And, like, one thing that I found really interesting and that I think Jim Henson's company, especially when they do fantasy, does very well, is they have really unique, specific details that I'd love that they don't necessarily explain it's either a character trait or something like the fact that the Skeksis didn't use utensils they had these utensils they attached to their fingers and that's how they ate and it felt a very oh, like yeah. it felt it it almost felt like the Skeksis were interesting because they felt very much like there are these creatures that were trying to be prime and proper but they were still just insane creatures down like deep down like they have an idea the, of what royalty acts like and that's what they're trying to do yeah but, like you yeah. get that you get that idea early on with the chamberlain and the the creature that would become the emperor that they run into each other in the hallway and they just start squawking at each other like, ah! in a very territorial like <laughs> thing yeah. and it's like just how lavish they are with their food and it's like you know they have plenty of food in front of them they're begging for more and it's like oh this is how you guys have depleted the reserves of land and everything around you you guys are just soaking up and killing everything around you right and they have like that that the the trial of stone where they have to like whoever can make <laughs> the biggest indentation onto the stone or some shit that's what I, that's what right. i assumed it was um, yeah but like i so said they have these giant and i also there was one skexy that really amused me that had he had bad it he or she had bad vision and it had four different pairs of glasses going down its nose and each one i assume was amplifying the glasses in front of it it's like oh that's just a really funny detail <laughs> uh that the the statues parts is actually the one where i really w wished i was able to see this in a theater um i i feel like there is a lot of detail in those puppets that was because those sets were so dark and and they were a very dark uh like literally dark not 
move, yeah. but like just dark sets, dark I clothes. It I think I what on a TV in my living room, not in pitch black. I think I could have picked up a lot more of those. Details and I will say there is a lot of detail theater. there. Like I, I don't, I'm not saying this to toot my own horn, but I have a, a rather nice TV. Uh, it's 55 <laughs> inch OLED, and with an OLED television, it you get perfect blacks. Because like when say you have the letterbox on the top and bottom, it actually turns the pixels off. So you get this okay. great differentiation on on color and darkness. And I did watch the movie in pitch black, and there is a lot of detail that I can definitely see was probably being lost on some for some people's TVs and cheaper TVs yep. which can't handle dark representation as easily or whatnot. But right. no, it's I I felt the same thing. I was like, oh, on a big screen with like I've got surround sound, but like I feel like in that specific situation. Like the, I can't think of a score that's got a more beautiful opening theme than a Dark Crystal. Okay. And it's like I, the, the the music and the way the film looked is like I feel like in the theater at the right age this would have really hit me. Yeah, what's really interesting that I've I've realized about myself lately, it, I I absolutely recognize how important sound and soundtrack and scoring are to a film. Did you not before? I. Uh, no, I, I always have, but I don't pick up on it. I don't, I don't notice it okay. the way that a lot of other people do. Um, when you say, man, the score for this was so beautiful, I go, oh, yeah, I, don't, I didn't even notice. <laughs> like, it, it registers as a very, like, it, it amplifies the, like, again, I know how vital it mm-hmm. is and how much that soundtrack and, and score I get, some. Uh, tells that story but it doesn't it's not something that i i analyze consciously i absorb it completely subconsciously I don't understand. and i guess some people would argue that not noticing it means it didn't stand out not in a bad way but it, it it's it it blended all together i it, it i'll continue like the 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 editing yeah. adage if if they notice your work then you didn't do it good. like you want them to not Notice yeah, it's editing. kind of the same concept behind like uh, uh, Martin Scorsese versus Steven Spielberg. Martin Scorsese, when he does a, a long one take, he wants you to notice it while Steven Spielberg doesn't. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> Look at my one take. Look at my yeah. one take. Um, but I've always been a, a very... Like, I think that's one thing that makes our, 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 our commentary on these films very interesting because me and you come from it from a similar standpoint but also very different where we've talked about before yeah. where um, you are sometimes a lot more story and theme driven than I am at times. Yeah. And there's other times where I'm very much aesthetic driven with mm-hmm. some things. So like I've always been very sonically inclined where I pick up on music first and foremost in a lot of ways. And like, I've actually said like, this has happened to some titles I've reviewed for the show where I, I, I feel like I've said it before, say something I've gotten from Mill Creek or Vinegar Syndrome where I was like, yeah, the movie wasn't for me, but the music was really good. <laughs> where I, I can usually pick up on that stuff really good. and um, yeah. But I, audio has always been one of those things that I've wanted to, like it's it's I've had a, an attachment to without even realizing it. And I think that's why I put so yeah. much time and effort into building myself a decent audio setup is because I, do, I, want, I want more of it. I want more of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's it was an interesting observation because I you know while I'm far from a professional like I I'm a musician like I play several instruments and have throughout my life so like I'm not I I can carry a tune I can sing um, I have that connection to music in my life but the way that I consume it is different than. Than many, and maybe it's because in film and, and story, like just I'm I'm geared to look for this this and this, and therefore I'm not just geared towards yeah consciously absorbing. And one thing I will say, one thing that's always fascinating about my film about not about my film, I didn't make this movie. Uh, one thing that's always fascinating <laughs> me about film, there was a quote when I was in film school, and, I, and I'm gonna butcher because I don't remember who said it or even the exact quote, but they it was along the lines of one of the most fascinating things about film is it's the only art form that that uses every other art form to make it work. 
Right. And since yeah. with making it's movies are something that a lot of people take for granted now because anyone can go out and shoot something on their phone and you know it's with YouTube be becoming the phenomenon that it has anyone can can put up content uh it's uh and with how transparent movies are now with how they're made like you go to a movie at the theater now there's usually something behind the scenes with some big feature um people i think a lot of people take for granted all the work that goes into making a film like this or any yeah. film and um it's it's no surprise that different people are going to pull out different things like I, i'm even sure with say classically trained artists if two different classically trained artists look at a painting and one person's going to talk about the color representation someone else will probably talk about the brush strokes um you sure know, there, sure. there's so many different elements to it so it's not surprising that what you say will pick up on is not what i'll necessarily pick up on and we i know we we've never like had arguments but we've butt heads in the past <laughs> about how i'll be really into a film because it's it just achieves a certain aesthetic about it and that you're like, well, there wasn't much for me to grasp onto. And I, <laughs> right, right. So it's two different ways of thinking. Uh, <laughs> if you want to, though, I've got it cued. I could play you a, a couple bars of the opening theme if you wanted to hear it real quick. Sure, uh, yeah. Uh, I have because of the wonders of YouTube. So this is the <laughs> opening theme. After the ad, <laughs> video will play after ad. It almost has like a gone with the wind kind of. A little bit. A little bit. This grand story. Yeah, and it's like, not to say that a movie about puppets can't be a grand big movie, but it's like, it's it's far more epic than I would have given it credit for, uh, especially in this time in the 80s when um, obviously orchestras were like this. All things considered, this was a. Jim Henson Company was a big company, but this was kind of still a. It wasn't being made by a major studio. They were making independent. Okay. Yeah. It's a big yeah. budget independent film, but it, it's just, it's 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 very big. It's very swelling. And actually, I first noticed the music um, before I had seen the film last year for Christmas. Uh, my wife Amanda got me the score for uh, Dark Crystal on vinyl, um, and it actually comes in this very beautiful purple vinyl. Uh, so oh. I, I was listening to the score a lot before I'd seen the movie, and I was like, well, I love the music in this. I'm sure I'll love the movie. And I think I like the score more than anything. <laughs> uh, I'll be sure to post on the Instagram a picture of the, the purple vinyl because it's it's quite beautiful. But, like, nice. yeah, like I was uh, – I the movie had, had pretty much hooked me from that opening bit of music. So I struggled a little bit in the middle. Like, it's like, oh, why am I watching <laughs> Jen take a bath as a baby right now? And <laughs> but like uh, I think it's a movie that's challenged me so it's a movie that I feel like I want to go back to at a later I want to give myself some time away from it first because I watched yeah. so much over this over this <laughs> month but I feel like it's definitely something I want to go back to and especially maybe cool. like after I've uh, cleaned my washed my palette out a little bit with a couple other fantasy films because I know we still want to do He-Man and that's right. I, yeah. I kept mentioning yeah. Conan the Barbarian because I've never actually seen Conan the Barbarian. So it's, it's a movie that that's on my shameless. So also. I feel like it's a movie I need to see. So, all right. Um, but like I remember, I f- everyone goes through fatigue, and the um, I've got friends in my life who are big horror fans like myself, and I feel like they never watch anything that's not a horror film, and I feel like I would become so fatigued with it after a while, and yeah. um. Same thing happened a couple years ago with the Avengers movies. Avengers two pissed or uh, pissed me off so bad that I was like, I don't really want to watch another superhero movie for a very long time, <laughs> and I hadn't for a very long time. Uh, I eventually caught myself up so I could see Endgame, and I've once again had fatigue again for that. So I was like, eh, I could go without superheroes for a couple years. Um, yeah. And then the same thing happened with fantasy because uh, Peter Jackson broke my heart so much with those Hobbit movies. That I was like, I'm good for a while. Okay, I I recently saw the the Hobbit series like within the last year. Uh, I really enjoyed it. 
they're, uh, they're, someone them. made a super, super cut where they've cut all three movies into one. And I, nice. I want to watch that. It's, it's a, it's a three-hour movie, but yeah. he told the story of the book and just used the important bits from all three movies and cut out all the filler. So like, okay. I, I kind of want to watch that. Yeah, though that and and that's interesting because I didn't watch them piecemeal. Like I sat down on a weekend day and watched all three of them back Jesus to back. Jesus Christ! So that that might be and the hobbit know. movies we're gonna go on a little rant about the hobbit now for a second the, when the first trailer <laughs> dropped for the first hobbit movie i was so in because i really liked the lord yeah. of the rings movies i haven't revisited those since i saw them originally um but the trailer had really got me and i i relatively liked the first hobbit movie i was like okay that one was pretty good i'm, I'm looking forward to the next one and then i just feel like for me they just kind of got worse but Spiraled then uh, one of the few reasons I actually want to buy the Blu-ray for that is apparently there's a special feature on there. It's a behind-the-scenes documentary with Peter Jackson where he's being very candid about the fact that he's okay. making these out of obligation. Oh, and that he's very unhappy making these movies. Wow. Because originally Del Toro was supposed to make them, and he dropped out, and they had always sunk a lot of time and effort into trying to develop them. So Peter Jackson's pretty much like, well, fuck it. I guess I have to do it now. And like, he wow. lost a lot of weight at the time too, from stress. And he was, he, he doesn't, I don't know if he actually says the words, but he essentially alludes to the fact that he's phoning it in. Wow. And I was like, this made it on the disc. How did that happen? Right. Is no one watching this stuff. <laughs> Maybe that was his only, uh, like, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> But I'm also putting this interview on the desk. <laughs> so like that 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 alone intrigued me, and like I I like to give most things a second try. It usually takes a while because like it's usually not my inclination right after I've watched something to watch it again, unless it's something truly yeah. special. But uh, things I don't necessarily like, I try to give a second try. Um, I also love Martin Freeman. Yeah, who? Let's not to love about him. <laughs> He's amazing. Yeah. So, Nick, we've talked about our general thoughts on the Dark Kristoff. We've touched on the Mystics. We touched on the Skeksis. I've touched on my own personal feeling about Jen and Kira. I feel like they're, I feel like they're weird. Their weird creature pet Fizzgig had more personality than they did. Um, I kept thinking she kept saying Biscuit. He's like, did you name your weird mythical creature Biscuit? I really thought she did. Um, I guess I want to talk about... Um, not a lot of information has come up yet about uh, the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. I watched a short little thingy on the Netflix has got trailers. It's not really a trailer, but right, yeah. so much as it's a behind the scenes of them making it, which they got okay. a lot of the original people back to come back for this and to make. I had it. heard. I, I heard spiritually, it's it's right on. Right on the mark. <laughs> it's funny that one one of the women who was an anime or one, a puppeteer on it said it's like oh like a lot of uh it's like good thing there's people here that remember how we made that movie because those of us who are around making it don't remember how we made it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm intrigued because it's got it's got a really great cast. Uh, so it's got uh um Taron Egerton who just who from the Kingsman films and he just played Elton John and Rocket Man. Oh yeah. It's got, yeah. Which I saw. Yeah, that which we should really talk good. about before we run out of time. Uh, it's got, okay. Uh, Anna Taylor Joy from The Witch. So she's in it. Okay. I did Simon not see Pegg's that. in it. Oh. Keegan Michael Key's in it. Mark Hamill's in it. Andy Sandberg's Whoa. in it. Helena Bottom Carter's in it. So it's like it's got quite a it's got quite a cast. It's going to be ten episodes. So hopefully they'll get a chance to really expound on some of the things. Like I don't know, like for. Considering I didn't love the Dark Crystal, I'm strangely excited for this version of Dark Crystal. So yeah. that, if anything, should say everything you need to know about the film. Where it's fascinating. Where even though I didn't respond to it on a on a deep level like some people do, I still want more of it. Yeah. Well, I, um, it it set up a really interesting world. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so while the original film didn't tell a story that you were particularly particularly jazzed about um the, i think it says that the the world was ama- the world that they built was phenomenal yeah, yeah and and if you tell and you have an opportunity to tell a story that does connect with you and maybe even add the enough to make you like the story told in the first one better 
with the correct if if they incorporate the correct narrative support. Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of excited for that. I'm not gonna lie, kind of wish they would have done a sequel, prequel, or even just in the same world as Labyrinth. But I feel like this gives them a far more room to work with than Labyrinth would, especially with David Bowie no longer being with us and. Well, and and I'm more interested in a prequel for Dark Crystal than I am for Labyrinth, I think, for the same reasons that we've been talking about. Like, Labyrinth feels self-contained. I I don't know that a prequel to that does anything for It probably doesn't. Like, they've expanded upon it in comic books and everything, and that might be the best place for it with David Bowie no longer being... Because you could cast someone, a lookalike or something like that, but it won't be the same. Right. So... Okay, well... I feel good about that Dark Crystal uh, discussion. Um, you said you wanted to talk a little about I Rocket do, Man. I do. I do. I loved Rocket Well, I went into it kind of knowing I was going to. Because one, I'm a big Elton John fan. I think we've yeah. talked about that on the show. Where yeah. actually yeah. come October, I will be seeing him on his Farewell Yellow Brick yes. Road tour. And I'm going to yes. be fucking in tears, I'm sure of it. Um, <laughs> uh, and then I love the Kingsman movies. And this was uh, Rocket Man was produced by the director of the Kingsman film, so I was I kind okay, of I have not seen those yet. They are the best James Bond knockoffs you'll ever see, but not necessarily in in, nice. in terms of tone or style of James Bond. But I very much feel like Matthew Vaughn was he wanted to direct a James Bond film, and they're, and they're like, no. So he's like, well, you know what? <laughs> Here's the Kingsman. I'm gonna go out and make the most kick-ass version of james bond i can't because he actually directed kick-ass so that was an intentional joke Uh, okay (laughs) um where it's like it's the most over-the-top version of james bond you'll ever see but it's very satisfying um but no i really liked rocket man i kind of knew i was going to anyways like i said but i i actually i had a review for the film i don't i don't want to misquote myself so give me one second (laughs) I've never had me quoted back to me before. <laughs> oh. Well, my app keeps logging me out, but I guess my, my general consensus was that seeing Taron Edgerton as Elton John singing Rocket Man as he blasts off into the sky and explodes into fireworks is probably my favorite cinematic moment of the year. Wow. That's awesome. I loved uh, the anecdote that I heard after about how Elton John's husband, like, had to fight hard to leave the. Uh, the I think he called it an orgy scene. I I don't know that I'd go that far, but um, uh, because of how <coughs> ethereal it all was, but he had fought for that to remain in the film. That's interesting. Uh, which I so I I guess they were trying to pull it um i, but, I know uh, they, they yeah, that was pl- interesting. They, apparently when it played in china they had to pull any references to homosexuality it's like so right. how, how long so, is the movie so, so and cut to credits <laughs> they just have the musical numbers and then just cut and that's another thing i appreciate <laughs> about it too it's like it was a musical kind of like it had musical numbers, but the film wasn't necessarily a musical. Like I don't know, I I, I really right. appreciated this the style in which they did that, and with being so there's being so much blowback on from Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, I loved that. It's like this is kind of what I wanted from that movie. And while I did enjoy Bohemian okay. Rhapsody, I get all the complaints behind it, and the, and the director behind that film is not in good favor of people because of his his very terrible past. Um, okay. I don't suppose you've heard about any of that. I I've heard that um, there was disappointment with the film overall, but no. Well, the, the disappointment from the, the film was um, some people thought that um, the actor who played Freddie Mercury, I can't think of his name at the moment, uh, Rami um, Malek, that he wasn't yeah. a good choice for Freddie Mercury because his, he's not the same nationality. I can see that perspective, but oh, okay. I, uh, I don't know what nationality Rami Malek is, but I felt like it kind of worked. But the biggest thing is the fact that Brian Singer has been uh, has allegedly been assaulting minors. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. the big thing uh, okay. behind it. And apparently there was tumultuous on set and everything. But I was like, it's like I didn't want that to tarnish this movie. And I don't know. I, I was I was a huge fan of it. It's probably going to be one of my favorites of the year. It's uh, uh reminds me of the. 
uh, AJR song. I've been listening to AJR a lot lately. AJR? Uh, a song called... Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know them. Um, I, I didn't send yeah, you send some, some links. Um, they have a song called Role Models. Okay. And the the main line of the chorus is all my role models are on TV for the wrong reasons. And it's about looking up to people that then you discover might have unsavory things uh-huh. and then like can so another line is uh can, can you really love the art if you truly hate the artist mm-hmm. and you know it's exploring these themes that we've in in this era you know these conversations should be happening and we've certainly had some of these conversations but where do you, at, at what point does the art that the artist create how much is that affected by the misdeeds of the artist no makes sense and there's not a right answer you know it's a it's a huge question um that that i don't think is right or wrong no matter what side you fall on it it's tough yeah and one um last thing i'll say about rocket man is i really hope that elton john legitimately went to a aa meeting in costume (laughs) <laughs> i i would not be the least bit surprised well i, I, I can't here, say because here, here's, sure. here's how excited i was for that movie because the movie came out at the same time as godzilla king of monsters and godzilla is one of my favorite film franchises i just love giant monsters destroying shit Kaiju. yeah and um we had we had a weekend we had a night where we can go see a man uh, movie and Amanda's like, "Well, do you want to see Godzilla or do you want to see a Rocket Man?" And that was the hardest decision of my of my night. But I was like, "I want to see Rocket Man." And she goes, "Wow, legitimately surprised by that choice." <laughs> I want to see someone larger than life destroying things. Elton so John. Rocket Man. <laughs> that should have been their marketing campaign, especially going up against Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> Someone larger than life destroying lives or something like that. I'm still standing. Oh my god, the recreation of that music video was fantastic. Oh, I know in the press. Yes. Oh, so awesome. Oh, and then like uh I also appreciate too that they 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 didn't have the songs necessarily in order when they came out. They used them as more yeah. like emotional resonance of um like what's going on in his life. Right. So right. yeah, big fan of big fan of Rocket Man. You know what's crazy too. though? Granted, keep in mind inflation. Um Dark Crystal was made for twenty five million dollars. Rocket Man was made for forty. Hmm. You look at the two, it's like I could it's like if you feel like it'd be the other way around, but with inflation yeah. and everything and but inflation and then yeah, also like just, people but, get paid more now. Yeah. So. I think that's our Dark Crystal. Unless there's anything else you want to talk yeah. about before we go, Nick. No. Um, the next uh, media event that I have on the docket is we're going to go see um, another Fathom event, which is how I saw Labyrinth. Okay. Um, we're going to see uh, a Doctor Who episode. Uh, oh, the which Doctor? Um, Tenet. Okay, that'll be fun. Yeah. That'll be a good time. Um, I think if if I recall correctly, it's like the end of Tenet. Oh, I think so it's probably his like his final episode. Yeah, okay. I know. I, I remember and it's that. Probably arc. a two episode yeah, arc. I remember that arc. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, yeah. So that'll mm-hmm. be good. That'll be emotional. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'll report back on it next time. I know there's movies we want to see. It's just a matter of when we can get to them. So I don't know if I've got anything necessarily big planned. I do have some reviews from Vinegar Syndrome that's going to be coming soon. Um, okay. Two triple X titles, so that'll be fun. Those episodes nice. always do very well, which is always funny to me because <laughs> I it's it's they're 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 not the easiest movies to review. <laughs> sure, yeah, it's, it's like yeah, own, okay, okay, it's like oh, there's another sex scene. Okay, let me check my lunch. And, um, <laughs> I really liked the lighting that they used. On <laughs> one of them, I will say, here's a spoiler for all of you guys. One of the movies that I'm going to be talking about did score a, a sex scene to Iggy Pop's Sister Midnight. So that was kind of cool. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, okay. I'm. I don't know what your schedule's looking mm-hmm. like, but I'm gonna make a proposal here. I'm gonna throw it out at you, and if you don't like it, you just throw it right back. Um, I think I could take on our double feature this weekend. Okay. Okay. Um, let me see what my schedule's looking like. If I don't get a chance to rewatch Mario Brothers, that's not a problem because I know that movie so fucking well. 
because uh, <laughs> I unapologetically love it. Um, if I can get it all watched, I can. De- I can think I can do it Tuesday. All right, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Shameless Picture Show. As always, I am Michael Vyers. And I'm Nick Richards. You can find the show on Instagram at, at Shameless Picture Show. And I am at Michael underscore Vyers. And you've recently changed yours. I have. You're welcome. <laughs> what is it now? It is Pacifist Pugilist. Oh, fuck you. That's no easier. <laughs> it's only two words. Now, nobody knows how to spell those words. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Pacifist hey. Pugilist. All right. How thanks great is that name? <laughs> it's it's actually really great. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. As always, we are on Spotify, Apple Play, uh, no, Google Play Music, Apple Podcasts, Libsyn, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere. If we're not where you want to listen, let us know, and I'll make sure we get there. Uh, I've got a like, couple of subscribe review. Yep, rate, review, subscribe. <laughs> we have no new reviews, so I've not read them on the air yet. But we did get some from pre- in previous episodes that I did read out. Okay. Um, I, and I ha- we have a couple episodes planned coming up, but you know, I think you, there's going to be some good stuff coming. And let us know what you thought of our uh, our Cannibal Holocaust episode. An episode <laughs> I was really proud of. I didn't think I'd get two hours out of that movie, but I did. <laughs> awesome. All right, have a good one, guys. Later.